Welcome to a football show, Monday edition. His name is Zach. My name is Braden. Thank you guys for hanging out with us, of course, every single Monday and Thursday here on a football show. Lots to discuss today as the Tennessee Titans preseason is underway officially. Of course, we'll react to what we saw on Thursday. A lot of talk about the quarterback, uh, Zach, and no middle ground on the show today. There's no middle ground. He's either a complete bust or he's going to Canton. Those are the only two takes you're allowed to have on the show today as we discuss Malik Willis's debut in a Tennessee Titans uniform, right? That sure is a shit what it feels like. God bless you, Twitter. Never change, Twitter. Never change. So we're going to actually give you, hopefully, some thoughtful conversation about what you should be thinking and seeing and feeling about Malik Willis's debut. And then, of course, what we've seen over the weekend and at Monday's practice. He wasn't particularly great on Monday's practice. We'll get to a lot of Logan Woodside and Malik Willis conversation today on the show. Stock up, stock down. Some of the guys that we we liked, some of the guys that we didn't like. Some injury updates as well throughout the course of the show today. Zach, uh, we will hold ourselves accountable because we told you there'd be five names we we're going to talk about on Monday. And we have to judge ourselves and grade ourselves with, with no no bias here. Straight up grade on, on those five names. We'll see how well we did. Eh, we did meh, in my opinion. So we'll get we'll get to that. Um, I think you did much better than I did, by the way. So I'll just give you... We'll, we'll, that's an early peek at, at that. Um, we have some SEC infighting news that we'll get to. Some coaches fighting with each other at the same institution, which is always great. And, and of course, previewing the Titans practice with the Bucks coming up this week uh, as well. So a lot of stuff to do on the show today. Zach, how are you? Good afternoon. I'm doing good. I'm a little confused because our Twitter is not, it's been doing this lately. I don't know if there's a new update, but some of the live streams that are going on outside, you know, not just ours, but outside of the, the, the 440 sports world is, uh, just sending the link. It's not showing the video anymore. So I don't know why we're not doing the video. So I'm just kind of trying to figure that out on the side. We'll see. Don't, Don't, don't worry about that. Just focus on really good nutritional I can do both. I'm a multitasker. And no no empty calories today uh, on the show. Of course, special thanks to our wonderful sponsors, the Kingston Group, buildkg.com. For all you folks that have something that you need to do with your house, make sure you call them. The Kingston Group, that's buildkg.com, Nashville's locally owned, award-winning custom home and remodeling firm. It's a firm, Zach. I don't know why that makes it better, but it just does. Oh, it definitely does. Absolutely. And of course, Weiss Liquors. Our wonderful and amazing sponsor as well, uh, the closest liquor store to Titan Stadium. Go to Uber Eats, search Weiss Liquors, and have booze delivered right to your house and or office if you so choose. What's the what's the new? What are we? We're workshopping the taglines. Yeah, have we got it down? They yet? drive so you can drink. There you go. That's good. That's good stuff right there. Uh, so make sure you check out Weiss Liquors, and if you swing by the liquor store, of course, pop in there and say four forty, and they'll give you ten percent off. So basically, that's better than tax free booze by about. I believe a quarter of a percent there. So, uh, so technically better than tax-free booze. Weiss Liquors, Kingston Group are two amazing, wonderful sponsors. And of course, normally we would be in the Cast Collective studio. We are not today, but still, you should check them out for all your private event needs, video and audio production needs. Um, if you need something for one of your companies, if you need some business work done, if you want to have an event, uh, Aaron and Sean can take care of you. That's the castcollective.com. All right. Malik Willis, game number one, he gets the start. And here's the deal. We talked about this over and over and over again. I'm going to give you my one big overarching take, and then we're going to spend a lot of time on all the nuance here because clearly Twitter has missed all of it. Um, I, I think the one overarching take, and we told you this two weeks ago on the show. I think you asked me this, and I said, I would rather have him throw interceptions than roll out because we need him to learn from what, what he sees and what the mistakes that he makes. 
And that is exactly what happened on Thursday night. That is exactly what Mike Vrabel has said he wants him to do. Todd Downing, Pat O'Hare, everybody. It's what he needs to work on the most. He didn't always do that on Thursday night against Baltimore. But my overarching takeaway is that that, while that is all still true, the dude simply makes plays that the other guy can't. And I think he's much closer to Logan Woodside than I ever acknowledged going into this game. Yeah. What'd you say? What happened? (laughs) What happened? Nothing. I'm just standing here talking to myself about Malik Willis. Well, I mean, you just kind of ended it. And it was just like, that's exactly what happened. And I guess I was supposed to come in. And usually ask me a question. So I was just kind of waiting for it. (laughs) But I mean, it it did. But it did it happen the way that they wanted it to happen? Because Hmm. according to the coaches, it didn't. And I think that's a that's a big thing. Look, there was a lot to take away from the Malik Willis roller coaster. And what I think we found out was that people who did not listen to our show did not set their expectations properly. And that includes some media members who thought they were going to see something between practice and some major leap into Nirvana football, Nirvana. And he was going to become a quarterbacking God. Like (laughs) the, the, the people that went to practice thought this and, I, I don't get it that there we we set the expectations. Everybody knew when you are looking at what happened at practice, the reports coming out of practice, everybody has known that he was going to struggle. And then everybody got hyped, right? Everybody got hyped. They saw that he was going to start and everything. And, oh, this means a lot. No, this means they want to give him the quality reps that they've been trying to give him. Quality reps. What are they going to learn if they put him behind the same offensive line that Logan Woodside had, right? With the same cast of characters. They ain't going to learn shit, and he's going to look even worse than what he did. And let me be clear. Malik Willis exceeded my expectations a little bit. Now, my expectations were he's going to have some great throws, and he's going to make a lot of mistakes. I don't think he made a lot of mistakes as far as when you're talking about getting the team out of the huddle, taking the snap from under center. He didn't do any, any turnovers, even though there's one that probably could have been a turnover. Yeah. Now his he first, made mistakes his first in th- his first throw. <laughs> yeah. He, now he made well second throw. His second, oh, the second throw. throw. That's right. Sorry. He made now he made mistakes in that sometimes he didn't read the field. Sometimes he panicked, even when he had blocking. And I checked right before we came on to the show. I checked. He is still. He has the longest time to throw in both normal dropbacks and average dropbacks. Now, or the average dropbacks of everything. Average means your time to throw on passings, sacks, and scrambles. But although normal is just passing, does not include scrambles or sacks. Still the longest in both categories. So he had time. He had protection compared to someone like Logan Woodside, who had the 44th longest and had hardly anything going on. So this is including all the quarterbacks that played this this preseason weekend. I don't get why it has to be, if you say something bad about Malik Willis, then you are then you hate him. And if you say something good about Malik Willis, you have to say something where it's like he's got to be the starter day one. He is a red shirt. That's what he is. He's a redshirt freshman quarterback. He looked better than what I think people expected, but he still wasn't the best looking rookie out of the out of the the bunch. But he did what they sort of wanted halfway there. I feel like it was he was halfway there. I, so it's interesting because I think you're right, and I probably should have said that. I think you're right that he didn't do the the one thing 
that we want that the, I think the Titans coaching staff wanted him to do, which is to stay in the pocket, throw the football in rhythm, even if it's the wrong throw, the wrong read. That's something we can learn from. And what I meant, and what I should have said at the beginning of the show is that's what we told you before the game and all of last week and the week before that. We said better quality reps, as you're calling them, are not only about the competition and your surrounding cast, but it's what do you do to learn in the side inside of that play. We've we've heard them now repeat themselves a bunch of times since the game. We want him to throw the football so then we can use it as a teaching moment. Stay in the pocket. We know we can do all the other stuff. And he sh- showed us all of that stuff on Thursday night. I think that to, to your point about getting him out there as a starter, it's the Titans have to learn what he is. They have to learn what he is. Now, well, the, the, let me let me interrupt you right there. Just to add on to the fact that the reason that he got to got the start was because he got the start announced a couple of days ago to him. And what they did was let Malik Willis go through a couple of days as QB one. He got to go and lead the team, talk about certain things, lead meetings, whatever they do leading up to a game that Ryan Tannehill normally does. He got to do, it was an entire few days of learning experience as QB one, a simulation, if you will, kind of like the, the an, life, an immersive, an immersive experience. Yeah. An immersive experience. So that's why he got all that. Yeah. And, and so I think what matters is, and so like, I, I don't know, now let's get to, I don't know if you've got anything else you want to add about what the Titans think. Cause I think the Titans think that he's clearly close enough to Woodside to, to want to give him all these reps to learn what he is. And if they see what he is, and learn what he is and have a clearer picture because they already know exactly what Logan Woodside is. If they like, if they can do that, then they can have a easier time making a decision on two or three quarterbacks or whatever. Now you convinced me over the last month and a half that they are going to be a three quarterback team. Here's what, here was my initial takeaway from just like, we do one more thing before we get into this discussion. I'm not trying to get into Woodside yet. I just want to go like, here's what I thought about Willis in the game. And it's kind of to your point about the media and their expectations and sort of like they watched camp for three weeks and then like forgot everything that they saw in analyzing the game. I think he was better than I expected. Not by a ton, but I thought he was better than I expected. And it's for one reason. He has he he makes plays like he just does things that Logan Woodside can't do. So we'll get to that in a second. But the, the point is, is they need to see if he can do all the things they want him to do and. Can he handle it? Does he make plays when the lights come on? And the dude makes plays when the lights come on. They just need him to learn all the other stuff too. And, and it's a and it's a it's a big learning curve, which is yes. to be expected. Like that is that is okay that it is a big learning curve. When when I say anything, I guess um, I guess for lack of a better word, negative about Malik Willis. Please understand. That first off, I know that Logan Woodside is not some all pro backup just waiting for his chance to shine. <laughs> and I'm not saying that Malik Willis is some bust, but I'm coming in under the impression that we know that he is going to take time because that's what we have always known. Unless he was going somewhere where he had to start, Malik Willis wasn't really going to start anywhere, unless maybe Seattle because those two guys suck. But, you know, unless he was going into a favorable situation, he probably was going to be thrust into the starting spot. That's been a pretty well-known thing about him. Hey, guess what? Who else didn't start their whole first year? Patrick Mahomes. It's, yeah. it's okay. It is literally okay. 
And Malik Steve, is a Steve third Mc... round quarterback. Patrick Mahomes is a first rounder. Didn't play the whole year. Steve McNair took three years. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers took three years. Yeah. Now, I, different times, different eras. I get all of that. Um, I think just in the game itself, I was excited to see him start and get reps and do the whole thing. And I'm glad to, you know, I'm glad that he went through the two or three day process of like building up to it. I, I thought it's all to me, honestly, it's exactly what I expected, but he was a little bit better. So it's like, I expected him to have trouble reading a defense and letting it rip. And with decisiveness, he had that problem. I expected him to be an excellent athlete to show us his mobility and his playmaking skills. He showed us that I, I expected a couple of throws to be just pure God given ability. <laughs> and he showed us that. I expected a few throws to be off. He showed us that. I, I just, all of it was kind of what we expected, what we had seen at camp, except for, I just think it was all a little bit better than I thought. And if you want me to transition into Woodside, unless you've got anything more no, to add. I, I want to talk about the actual game. Like okay. nobody's breaking right. down the actual game, right? I mean, I'm sure the Coach Mack will be on like 15 shows this week and all that kind of stuff. And not to diminish Coach Mack, I love Coach love Mack. Coach but I, I think we could go through real quick and look, talk about some certain plays that I thought showed the best of Malik Willis and the worst of Malik Willis. Perfect. And one of let's start with the very first play. First and ten, the sneak flat to the fullback. Beautiful ball fake, by the way. I, I have to say, commend him on his, abil his ability on play action to be able to really sell the play action. I think he does a really good job with the so balls in his hand. And so and you like that. you like the way he manipulates the ball. Love the, I love I love how he holds the ball in real his hand. Real delicate, and, and okay. Real delicate, right. okay. Um, if you actually watch it in slow motion, I watched it a, a couple times this morning. He actually looks to make three reads. I mean, he looks in the proper rotation and makes three reads. And if you, he made the best decision based on coverage. Just a little, Tory Carter, little touch, little touch, please. Well, Tory Carter <laughs> should have caught it. I, I'm, I, you know, yeah. Would you like a little touch? But let's be honest. Tory Carter's professional football player catch the fucking ball. Yeah, uh, that's just that how was, I feel. About it. That throw was that throw was three and a half yards long. You got to put a little touch on it. He he could catch it if he's a man. All he right, could catch all right. It. Okay, he's a man. so. You know, maybe he's not. I don't. I don't know what's going on with Tory Carter, but he should have caught the fucking ball. That All ball right. would have okay. been caught by Kyle Yuschek, right? Okay, All right. maybe. Yeah, it would have been. Listen, the, what's good about what I like about the throw is that there was a DB right behind following Tory Carter, so he wasn't going to go to Tory Carter at first. He was going to go, I believe, it was to Racy McMath, but then the DB feathered off and went after. McMath and cut him off. So he went to the right read. Yeah, I agree. Is it fast? Yeah. Catch the ball, though. I okay. mean, that that's ultimately when you're a pro in the NFL, you still have to do your job regardless of someone else. We'll, we'll get to the throw to Haskins because uh, that's one of everyone's going to rave about how great that play was. And it was. But there's a there's a caveat to that play. And I think the problem was with is I'll get to that. The, the, the play you're talking about also relates to the throw to Haskins. That was very, very good. So yeah, I wanna, that one, I, I think he, that. he took the least muddy option. There were other on the Haskins play. There were other options to take, but he took the least muddy one so, based on what he could see on the field. So the reason I bring that one up is because he went read one, read two, read three. And that went, that was Haskins. But I think that the vast majority of running backs don't catch that pass. I think Derrick Henry, that pass hits him in the face. Because he th he throws a bullet. Now Haskins is very good with his hands. He's a very natural pass catcher, and and Willis threw you know again a laser beam seven yards downfield. There, it's okay to say 
take a little bit off that. Like you, yeah. you're, you, you I, take I a little agree. bit off. Take that. a little bit off of it, but you still got to catch the ball. Yeah, yeah. It's no, kind of right. yeah. like to me with Traylon Burks and Logan Woodside down the end zone. I expect a wide receiver to make that contested catch. Do I expect them to make it 10 times out of 10? No. But do I expect like Nate Washington, Corey Davis, and A.J. Brown majority of the time would have made that catch? Yes. Sure. But that's sure. that's that's okay. a personal preference more so what, than anything. What about third down on the first drive? I was about to say that. The almost pick six. Horrible. Feet <laughs> weren't lined up. Should have gone to a different, the second wide receiver because the slot had already didn't slip until Wills was already committed to the throw. Yep. But he was already being undercut by the DB. So the, the DB already had the advantage even before the slip, and you could visibly see it. That is a problem because he should have gone to the second wide receiver. I don't know who it was, yep. but it was the second nope. wide receiver. I, I have I have written down for that throw, late decision, late throw, wide receiver trips, pick six. That's yep. what I have written down. So And, and his feet. I think his footwork was yep. sloppy. That's, I, I uh, getting into the second quarter, the, sec- the second and seven touchdown, baller play. I mean, sure, he could have kept rolling out to his right and gone front pylon with both wide receivers who were still committed to the pass play. Both wide receivers got open, didn't notice that he had already started running. So he could have done it. But that's the kind of play why you got Malik Willis, right? You got him to, okay, maybe I can go do this, but I know I can go get the touchdown. Yep. And that's, that's to me, is a baller play. So I thought his best – I want to know what you think his best throw was because I think his best throw was this – Actually, the roll against his body, sidearm dump off to the in the flats, where that that is one of those plays where normally you wouldn't want him throwing the ball like that with that arm slot off the back foot without like all the things. That's one of those plays that just a human that is just a great athlete can make. And that is that is ultimately where I'm going to we'll get to Woodside versus him. But like ultimately, there are just things that Malik Willis can do that Logan Woodside cannot. And that little bounce hop arms lower the arm slot and flick it out to the like and that's a throw that just very few people can make and uh, that was to me that was like his baller throw for me i was like that oh that was like a six yard gain but it was <laughs> but it was very very impressive i thought that and the pass to mason kinsey with 35 seconds left was a good one because that was the most decisive he was throwing the ball yeah. with without being harassed and forced to do an angle like you're talking about you know I, i'll say this I think a great play to learn from was the first and 10 uh, towards the uh, end of the second where he did the play action, but he just didn't throw it to Burks who breaks on the inside. It was easy and he still could not do it. That is going to be the play to learn from. And I, at first I talked about at the time I watched it, I thought that Racy had to go and adjust to the ball that he eventually caught and had to slide on. But really, Racy should have stayed up on his feet and scored a touchdown. I think that was a good throw by Willis. I here's some here's what I'm curious, and I talked to some people today to practice about that throw. He was double covered when when he lets the ball go, he's double covered, and and the and the underneath corner kind of drops off after the ball goes in the air, leaving Racy wide open. So I want to know. I would love to know if the staff thought that that was still the right read because it does look like McMath is over the top of him. There and was so, another open wide receiver that right. I think should have been the read, but I mean, it was such a good throw, right? It was a perfect throw. Actually, like only where Racy could have gotten. You're right. Did they, did he execute and do what they wanted him to do? Now hat tip to Racy for getting the hip down in, in bounds just in time to get, because again, two feet and a hip and all that stuff. Should that throw have been a little bit more over the top and down the field to keep Racy upright, to keep running maybe, but like, again, I looked at today and I, I really think that Racy, I, 
when you look at it in slow motion, look at it from two different angles. It's like, why did Racy slide? I, I thought he was. Don't... I thought he was going to go out of bounds if he didn't drop. But maybe I, you're right. Maybe you're right. I, I think there was enough space that he could have. But I mean, again, maybe Racy couldn't have done it. But may, maybe another wide receiver. My couldn't. my question is: Was that at the time of launch point? Was that the right throw into what appeared to be from the pocket double coverage, or was it exactly what Todd Downing and Tim Kelly wanted him to do? Which it might have been, because again, the ball was clearly over the top, and Racy was clearly on the top of the corner. All that stuff. So I, yeah. I just I'm just curious. Um, I, can I talk about the screen pass? Cause I, it's not, it's not going to be talked about very often, but it was a first down play, uh, where he runs the play action, dumps the screen off perfectly to chestnut who picks up a first down. Like that's not going to get a lot of hype and a lot of run, but it is sort of what you have to do to consistently show the coaches. I know how to run the Titans offense. Right. And I thought that was a, you know, again, it's not going to get a lot of headlines, but it was very well executed. The play action, the whole deal, the dump off had touch on it. it I thought that was a good play. Yeah, I think that was a good play, too. Um, and we'll talk more about Chestnut a little bit later in Stockwatch. Now we can get to the spin zone. Oh, we're going to the spin zone. All right. Um, okay. So you convinced me over the better course of the last couple of months on this show that three quarterbacks is exactly what we're going to what we're gonna see. It makes the most sense. Logan Woodside's the best to hold a lead in the fourth quarter if he has to come in or maybe win one game. Malik Willis is probably the best if they need to start him for 17 games, God forbid, knock on wood. So there's they, they have two different guys for two different roles on the team behind Tannehill. I, I saw what I saw on Thursday, and I saw a guy who learned some, some of his mistakes. I saw a guy who clearly has the it factor that Logan Woodside does not have, that he has athletic ability that he is going to learn and grow into at some point. I think I saw somebody a lot closer to Woodside than I expected to see. And I don't like, I don't know. I, I to me, I'm kind of like this guy just needs as many reps as possible. And every rep he gets, he's going to get better because there is no upside with Logan Woodside. No offense, no offense intended. There is nothing but upside with Malik Willis, who makes lots of plays. I just, it, to me, it's just obvious he's the better player. Is he the better quarterback for this offense? I don't know. That, that's that's where I land into it. So I'm going to ask you a few questions. Who did this better? And Vrabel said, to, threw the ball, throw the ball without hesitation. Uh, probably Woodside. Now, I don't mean that he threw it well, but he <laughs> went out there and executed exactly what they wanted Willis to execute. This is why that Willis got pulled from the game, right? When, when Todd Downing on Sunday said... We need someone who goes out there and on a moment's notice can execute the game plan and be as consistent on every single play as possible. All I hear is him talking about Logan Woodside. Yeah, that that is the thing. Now, I will say this. Todd Downing did talk about the turnovers and all this stuff, but the turnovers all deserve a little bit of context, right? While the decision to go to Terry Godwin was a bad decision, Terry Godwin did no favors by not doing the route correctly. Right. That's, I mean, it probably it. <laughs> it could have gone from incomplete or from an interception to incomplete. Right. And we're to telling a totally different story. Right. Here's the thing. Logan Woodside's not great. Logan Woodside is not a player. And I saw Daniel Frazier ask this. Woodside is not a player that is going to go out and start every week if Ryan Tannehill went down with the season ending injury. That is Malik Willis. He may start one and two games. Then Malik Willis takes over. Right. Kind of like a Joe Flacco, Lamar Jackson kind of deal kind of situation uh andy dalton justin fields i think would be a more apt uh thing right there but 
everything that they said that behind the reasons to bench Malik Willis or take him out of the game after the first during play that the drive quarter. in the third yeah. quarter was because of everything that Logan Woodside did. Now, yeah, he threw two interceptions. You know, really when it comes down to it, you don't want your quarterback throwing interceptions, but he was willing to throw the ball. That was the game plan. The game plan was to throw the ball. It wasn't to scramble. It wasn't to go and break away and leave the pocket. It was to stay in the pocket, even to Logan Woodside's health, detriment of his health, stay in the pocket and try to throw the ball. That was the game plan. And the, the person who executed the actual game plan, albeit maybe not that great, was Logan Woodside. Seems to be an important part of this, though. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it can be. But let's also look at Daryl Worley it should not be out there in the fourth quarter. Is not a cornerback that should be out there in the fourth quarter. The guy who uh, got the interception off Terry Godwin. That is a mismatch, right? That is an obvious mismatch. But here's the thing. People are like, well, Logan Woodside should play better against the threes. Well, he's playing with the fours. None of those offensive linemen should ever be uh, in a Titans uniform ever again because they all sucked in the fourth (laughs) quarter. That was a horrendous offensive line to play behind. The reason why Logan Woodside, though, was playing behind is because, A, they're not going to put Ryan Tannehill out there, and, B, putting Malik Willis out there makes no sense. Logan Woodside is the quarterback to all this did was improve in my mind, the probability that Malik Willis maybe can push him out of that spot. Okay. 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 So I went okay. from 5% right. that they're going to keep two quarterbacks, 5% chance they're going to keep two quarterbacks. I'm now at 10%. So I will moved up 5%. All right. <laughs> can I do a different percentage? Yeah. Because because you just said I like the phrase you just used where you're like the chance he could unseat Logan Woodside right because again Logan Woodside is the president of the dead backup quarterback zombie apocalypse club Matt Barkley and Blaine Gabbert and like all these names right I I to me I had Logan Woodside as the number two quarterback at like ninety five percent for most of camp and this is where I'm going to admit that my opinion has changed not just because of one game but because of what's happened throughout the course of camp I would say. So 5% chance Malik Willis could be your number two. I think that's more in like the 30, 35% range now. Wow. You're really yes. bumping it up. Yes. And it's, and it's, it is, it is, and it's not just because Woodside versus Willis and what Willis showed me and sort of, I, I saw some things I needed to see from him, which is just that pure playmaking ability that Logan Woodside simply cannot offer you that like when things don't go right, or even when you do, Willis is just better. He's just a better football player all around. And I, that gives them a chance to win a game. Whereas I'm not sure Woodside has the skills to win a game unless Derrick Henry is going to go for like three, 300 yards. And so I think the chance, like they threw him out there to start him to see what they, to learn about him. They ran him with the twos all practice on Monday and, and over the weekend to continue to see if what they're seeing it, like learn about him. And so to me, I think he closed, in my head at least, he closed the gap a pretty big chunk. Yeah, you went, you went way. I, yeah. I just don't see it because I think people aren't paying attention to reports in practice because I think Logan Woodside is clearly better in practice. And I know that yes. doesn't translate yes. to a game, but you have to look at the game situation and what he's being asked to do. What he's technically was what they were both being asked to do on Thursday's game is not technically what they would probably have them do 
on a Sunday in regular right. season. And, They're not going to ask them yes. to go out there and sling it, but that's what they wanted them to do. And Logan Woodside right. did that. And, if and, they go in and say, Logan, hand it off to 20 times and you're probably going to pass 20 times. That's I, the guy that's going to be able to do that. I'd still, so again, I, I didn't, I didn't change my thinking on keeping three quarterbacks. I'm just saying I think he closed the gap for number two by a large chunk. And again, 30%, whatever number you want to put on it. I just think he gained a lot of ground in my head. Uh, he's shown a lot of progress in camp. Now, Monday, his practice was not particularly good. He showed all the same problems that he showed in the game. So he's going to have to continue to show progress in that decision-making, be decisive, let it rip kind of way. And that is absolutely true. But I still would take his upside and athletic ability over Woodside not knowing where the football is going to go. Even though he knows where it's supposed to go, his arm doesn't always get it where it's supposed to go. So I just, I haven't changed my like chances that they're going to keep three quarterbacks. I still think, to your point, that's still in that 5-10% range. But I think the gap has closed significantly. And I would not be surprised if, they, if he continues to show progress over the course of the next few weeks that by week whatever... I don't know what week three or four that Logan Woodside's on the waiver wire. Like I yeah. would not, I would not be surprised that Willis is going to gain ground quickly on Woodside and pass him fairly quickly. That would be my, my projection. He could do it. I just don't know if that that's for sure going to happen. I mean, I, if anybody can do it, it'd be Malik Willis right now. But right now I just have to put it at like a 10% chance because when you really get down to it, they're keeping three quarterbacks. They're not going to take that risk. And, and here's why. You can get to 51 players easily by going three quarterbacks, four running backs, six wide receivers, which I don't even think that's given. I think they could end up with five. Three tight ends, eight offensive linemen, five defensive linemen, five inside linebackers, four outside linebackers, six cornerbacks, four safeties, three special teamers. So that's 51. Yeah. No, I, I think okay. you're. I, I think you're right. I think it, let me let me ask you a question. All right, pick two. These are your final two spots for the fifty-three. Right, we already got three quarterbacks. Pick two: a running back five, a tight end four, offensive lineman nine, a that cornerback one. seven, or safety four. So pick two of them. Uh, definitely offensive lineman. Another offensive lineman because I think that's going to still be a major concern. Even though they they all they're they all I don't shitty. I don't I don't care. I want more okay. bodies. I want okay. more bodies on the offensive line. Who's, uh, who's many, your other one? Um, you said safety, safety five, Sorry, safety. safety five. I don't need safety five, uh, not tight end four, not running. I don't love running back five, although cannon is running back five right now and would be a, a return specialist. So it depends on how much you like him. Um, so cornerback seven be basically what you're, I like or corner, defensive lineman six. I do like, it. I do like cornerback seven. I do yeah. like that. But what you're asking, your point is, is Braden, you get to pick two of those and you get Woodside. Yes. <laughs> is what your point is. Exactly. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, are you really going to pick a third quarterback in this kind of day and age where you need the young guy, right? But you also need the guy that if, let's say, Tannehill does go down, don't you want Logan Woodside to back up Malik Willis? You know, even in that situation, don't you want still Logan Woodside on the roster to still be able to be a mentor, to be the guy that can do all this stuff? I see what you're saying. Let me ask you this: you, Do you want that or Trenton Cannon or Julius Chestnut? Do you want that? Uh, or... I do like. I do like. Th they like Chestnut. I like Chestnut. Here's my Chestnut question: will be why, on practice. why would he? Why would Logan Woodside get picked up by another team? Honestly. I think. I think when you look down to it, at the guys that back up some of these similar offenses. With the way that they have shown Logan Woodside to be a leader, to be knowledgeable, 
I think there's going to be teams that would pick him up. When you look at the state of the backup quarterback situation anyway, I mean, it's it's nice to have. It's nice to have. Uh, I, I, so my right. thing is, you can hey, you convinced me a long time ago yeah, that they're going to carry. I'm just three. trying to convince the oh, readers. Board. It's not necessarily you, the <laughs> listeners. I'm talking right. to the listeners. I, when I'm you're on ta- board. I know the cat finish. My gosh, listeners, when you're talking about we, why would we need three quarterbacks? That's wasting a roster spot. Think about first off, do does the team view it as wasting a roster spot? The staff. And what roster spot do you need that is so valuable on this 53 over someone like Logan Woodside or Malik Willis? There's not. When you start using common sense, there's not. When you actually write it all down, there is no situation. This idea that we can't keep three quarterbacks because we have to keep, you know, a fourth tight end or a ninth offensive lineman, which I don't agree with. There's just nothing there. Yeah, my and my argument is not even really related to some of that other stuff as much as it is related to I just think Willis might be good enough. Like he yeah. just might be good enough to be your number 2 quarterback. Like he Daniel asked this about 20 minutes ago in the chat and he said what record would you expect the Titans to go with 17 games of Woodside versus 17 games with with Willis? And I that's a that's sort of a different question because then you're assuming a Tannehill injury of some sort and like we've always said and I think you've agreed with this, that is a Willis situation not just because he might have a better record and has more upside and he can win more games, but because he's going to develop and grow and there's value in that development process and that right. learning experience. So to me, that, that all I'm saying is I think he is closer to just already being better than Woodside. I, like, I think in all situations, when you come down to it and what Todd Downing said is that it's different situation for each quarterback when a play uh, calling or play situation. So if Ryan Tannehill's already in the game, who's best to come in and finish that game under the playbook that they have and play, the game plan for that game? Logan Woodside. If they have a whole week to prepare, it's Malik Willis. Currently, I, currently that could yes. change. Yes, that's exactly right. It could change. I Right now, that change in my head went was like this big, and now it's like, yeah. and this isn't the bad podcasting here, um, it was it was an 80, for, 80 or 90% gap before, and now I've got it down to like a 60, 65% gap. Like, I think he closed that gap that you're talking about. Who's better right now in game? I think Willis has closed the gap significantly because of just pure upside and playmaking ability. Yeah. And that is just pure raw talent that he's got that the other guy does not tim of course says obviously punter number three is who they would keep on the roster in exchange for logan woodside so um okay all right are we are we good with quarterback we're situation good. we're, we're good, good there you want to do some stock up stock down here on uh on what we watched and what we saw over the course sure. of the game and then throughout okay before we do that remember our wonderful amazing title sponsors make sure you check out the kingston group buildkg.com zach if you needed to add a whole new wing to your house, the Chateau de Leon. You're going to add a whole wing to that house. Where are you going to go? I'm going to go to the Kingston Group because right. it's the best place to go and figure out the highest quality and to figure out really what does my room actually need to look like. I saw you like look physically I'm looking, looking around, around the room. <laughs> You're like, if you want, and they do outdoor stuff. They do garages. We have we built a carport with them. They did an amazing job. Super high quality. And again, they are a nose-to-tail operation, which means when you go to them and you ask for something, they can help you design it as well. They've got an in-house architecture firm, so you don't have to have like five different independent contractors. It's a bunch of garbage in the city right now. So just go to the Kingston Group. And of course, for all your liquor needs, right before we get to a stock watch, Zach, go to Weiss Liquors. And stock up on your liquor. Look at that. 
Look at that. Flawless. <laughs> Weiss Liquors on Uber Eats. It'll come right to your house as quickly as 20 minutes. I don't know what else you need to know. If you happen to be in the store, which was great too, make sure you say 440, get 10% off. So there you go. 10% off. Tax-free booze delivered right to your house. And oh, by the way, right before you go to the tailgate, right after the Titans game, closest liquor store to stock up on all your tailgating and uh, we'll call it celebratory needs after a Titans game because they're obviously not going to lose a game this year. So 17 and obviously. 17. Okay. Um, all right. Stock up, stop, stock down in, uh, in preseason game. Number one, Zach, where would you like to start? Whose stock has risen in your mind? I'm going to start with, it's a different situation. So I'm going to say stock up for Dylan Radins and Racy McMath. And here's my context behind this. Dylan Radins only had to play seven snaps. That should tell you a lot right there about what this team thinks they need to see out of Dylan Radins compared to a rookie like, um, uh, NPF and then Racy McMath. I love his kick return ability. And I think that if you're looking at keeping five wide receivers, six wide receivers, and he's going to be a kick returner. And let me say something on Monday, they added more people to the kick returner, uh, rotation, which makes me think that while people were like trying to beat their chest and do a victory lap on Trenton cannon, Obviously didn't pay attention. The guy couldn't fucking stay upright to save his life and left tons of yards up on the field. So I don't Can't argue that. on keeping five running backs. And I don't think they're sold on Trenton Cannon like they were initially after seeing him in a game. And I think they're looking at the way this roster is constructed. Racy McMath stock up. He also caught a big pass. Dylan Radins only had to play seven snaps. Yeah, give me. I'm, I'm all for that. Uh, Racy McMath also, and I was out there on Monday, ran with almost all the ones on 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 Monday's practice, he is clear. I think it's not even a debate. He has clearly cemented himself as wide receiver. Number five. Uh, I think the play that he made in the game, obviously, but it's more than that. It's almost every practice. He is flashing on film and has gotten better since the first day of training camp. Des Fitzpatrick has sort of kind of come back down to earth a little bit, but it has had some good moments and some bad moments. He's kind of leveled out. I think at wide receiver number six, I think Josh Malone and, Josh Malone and Mason Kinsey and Reggie Roberson, I think, are all practice squad players potentially. Maybe not even Josh Malone. I, I think I think we have we we've kind of settled in with our six wide receivers, and I would also add stock up there for for Racy McMath as well. But I think that was kind of we we saw the 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 rise in his stock kind of coming. Well, and, that's why I wanted to emphasize the kick return ability. Yeah, his special teams is a huge part of that equation. There's there's no question about it. the Raiders is interesting. I agree with your premise that for them to only give him seven snaps means that they value him and that they don't need to see as much from him. They rotated a lot of one reps, first team reps between NPF and Raiden's over the course of the weekend and, and on Monday's practice where they had four drills, two of them are two minute, you know, Raiden's went first with the first team. Then NPF went first in the second, the second time through the drill, then, you know, two minute drill Raiden's went first and then second time through the drill NPF went first team. So I still think there's more of a battle there. Than I think we than we think we think, but I think stock up for MPF had a couple of really nice blocks on the long chestnut run. He basically blocked two guys on that play. I thought that was really nice. He he had a couple of bad blocks on practice on Monday. Let me ask you this, because I think Aaron Brewer's you know pretty solidified as the left guard for now. We're gonna find out about Vita Vea when he goes to town this week, and the biggest, strongest, gnarliest defensive lineman that the Titans play is going to find the left guard spot. They're going to eventually line him up on Brewer pretty fast. So here's my question to you. Just thinking out loud here. Is NPF at right tackle 
and Raiden's at left guard, the most talented five offensive linemen on the team out there at one time? Ooh. I think it's an I think it's no brainer. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, more than likely. I think that that's the one that could be better at the end of the year, if that makes sense. I, I agree. think that it would. I, I think that my biggest worry about Brewer is can his body hold up for 17 games with these guys? I think while they may be worse at the beginning because MPF is a little worse and then Dylan Radens is while better is probably a little uncomfortable in the left guard spot. I think that the, eventually they would be the better five if they all yep. stayed healthy. I, I think on a pure talent standpoint, that's the best five offensive linemen on the team. There's no chance that Radens is a better tactician of the position than Aaron Brewer. And there's probably, I mean, again, I think MPF is still a step behind Raidens when it comes to that. MPF just has pure athletic God-given talent that very few people have at that position. So I'll be curious to see how this works out this week. If we're going to talk Bucks preview, that's one of the most important things mm -hmm. to watch is going to be the offensive line um, as well for the practice week. Yeah, I got another stock up. I got actually four more, Woo. but let's let's just go real quick. I think Des Fitzpatrick improved his stock. And I know that sounds crazy, but if you go watch the tape, if you go watch specifically the third quarter, that first series with or the last play of Malik Willison, the first play of Logan Woodside, they both missed a wide open Des Fitzpatrick. And if you go watch the first and second quarter and what they asked Des Fitzpatrick to do a lot of the time was go block. And he was physical and he went and ran block. A lot of the time. And I, I think if if you're looking at keeping six wide receiver, I think right now Des Fitzpatrick is, is a tier above Mason Kinsey. I, I don't don't I see any point in having Mason Kinsey if he's not going to provide value as a returner. And so far, it doesn't look like he is. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think I think Des has shown overall that he's the number six receiver. So I think yeah. right now I feel pretty comfortable with the six, the top six that they've got, which, you know, again, I don't know if we need to talk about Burks here. I feel like we should because Phillips and Burks weren't really involved all that much. I'm not changing their stock too much with what happened on Thursday. Well, Phillips only played three snaps. I, I Right. Like I still <laughs> see him. I still see him out there rotating in with the ones all the time. Like they're still out there making plays in one-on-ones and seven on sevens. Like I just don't, I'm not, Bur I'm not overreacting to that. On the jet sweep, Burks waited way too long to cut up field. I mean, horrifically yeah. long. He had a clear path to 10 yards, maybe even 15, if he would have gone earlier, right almost right at the uh, little hash marks right there. I, I think there is a refinement of his game that they would like to see, just yeah. in general. Uh, past he was open a lot of the time, too. He was. So, he like was. they said, it was very inconsistent, and I can see why they said that. Yeah, no no question about that. David Anini. There you Anini, go. Uh, I thought he improved his stock and enough to be like a Reggie Roberson going to be on the practice squad. First Agreed. guy off the practice squad. If they need someone to come in and play outside linebacker. I, I thought he might've been the most productive and noticeable front seven player on the entire team. <laughs> Fully agree. I think uh, PV had the nice grab or yep. the nice uh, hand swipe batted down pass. That's about it. Like yep. I like Jaden PV and he's a big guy, but he's not a guy that's going to push for that sixth defensive line spot based off of that. But he's going to be a great practice squad addition, much like what Tier yep. Tart was, much like what Naquan Jones was. Like some of these guys will get their start and get their chance later, just not in year one. Julius Chestnut, I mean, talk about a bounce back story. I love it. I like it. He's a practice squatter. You want some I, more of it? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I think he's a practice squatter. Uh, 
yeah, I, I will say, and we'll talk about this on football and other F-words on Wednesday's show, but I'm going to have Mike Kernan on, and he had the gall to say, I wonder if he didn't do enough to make them not need Hassan Haskins. What? Yeah. Utterly ridiculous. I think it's, it's a third-round draft pick or complete, fourth-round draft pick. Completely asinine. Who's going to make it to the practice squad if you cut? If you had to cut both of them, who's going to make it to the practice squad? Julius Chestnut. Yeah. Hassan Haskins getting picked up by the, someone. I don't care what you say. The guy who fumbled in the game. Um, yeah. I, I, no, I, yeah, Haskins is on the team. I, I do think they love Chestnut, and they gave him you know a second chance, and he delivered on a lot of nice plays. I think he's a nice player. I mean, he's... He's this year's Makai Sargent, who should be on the practice squad. But I, you know, he's a nice player. I like him, and I, I think Anini is the one that I think would I would, I would circle and underline and be like, he's going to make the practice squad for sure, and might be a rotational piece later on. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at it, Anini, um, PV, and Chestnut are like locks for the practice squad. Yeah. Obviously, with Mason Kinsey, but they're like the undrafted free agent rookies that are locks. And I think that Corey Levin solidified himself as he should be center number two, not yep. Aaron Brewer. I think that Corey Levin should be center number two. He had a great game. Not many people are going to notice it. A lot of people probably think he played all the way in the fourth quarter. He didn't. There were guys, I didn't know who this Willie Wilton or Willie Wharton guy was that was suddenly in a Titans uniform. But give, give me a break with that fourth offensive line. They're stocked down, stock up Corey Levin, stock down that entire fourth quarter offensive line. He needs to be shot into the sun. Yeah, I am nothing that happened against, and this is, I think, a larger takeaway. Yeah. I, I am still very concerned. The, the Titans offensive line is the number one biggest circle neon flashing light concern for this team's chances to win the division and go deep in the playoffs. Full stop. Yep. It's not Ryan Tannehill. It is not the secondary. It's not youth and inexperience. It's not. It, it is the offensive line. Uh, that is my thought. The stock down, obviously, Justin Lawler, who was your guy. Actually. No, he You're, wasn't. He was. When we were talking to <laughs> about how to pronounce David and Innie, he goes, you know who I'm looking forward to? Justin Lawler. I was I was interested to see what he could do, and, and which was nothing. It was bad. <laughs> it was so bad. <laughs> it was bad. So terrible. It was so terrible. Chris Jackson, who was also, oh, I bummer. didn't have him on my list until, because I forgot about him, but Donnie D in the chat put him up there. But definitely Chris Jackson was one of them. I mean, Injury, terrible night. Hurt. And he 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 only played 12 sna coverage snaps and allowed almost a catch on all of them, it felt like. <laughs> well, and then with the knee injury, um, here's the thing. Your boy, uh, you got Shaheem Carter, Greg Maben, and Shakur Brown, who are now going to fight for that spot. Yep. So with Jackson being injured for a little while, however long that might be, there's a chance. They've kind of got that opening now at that six DB, six corner spot. And um, and you're, I think you had Shakur Brown on your list of five names we were going to talk about, and I yeah. thought he showed some burst. I thought he showed he almost had quickness. that interception. Almost uh, had, almost had it. So um, quickly, if you do you want to do you want to grade our our picks? Uh, yeah, I think we did fast? pretty well overall. So we had five names that we said we guarantee you we're going to be talking about on Monday, and we're going to hold ourselves accountable if we're not. Uh, Racing McMath number one, big check mark. Good job on your part. You got that one. Uh, Shakur Brown, I think big, I think solid check mark there. I think yeah. that's a good check mark, and he's maybe earned himself a roster spot. Theo Jackson, we haven't talked about. He was not at practice on Monday. I thought it was clear, like Raiden's, that they didn't give him a ton of snaps. He played early in the game and was out of there. To me, that's a sign that they like him. So that's yeah. not really a name we're talking about. So we don't get a big check mark there. But I think he showed why he belongs in the conversation for guys that we're excited about. What do you think about Chance Campbell? <laughs> you you didn't like what you saw, but I, I technically did. Now, oh, okay, I, I didn't really have a big issue with it as far as a six round draft pick thrust in a starting spot 
playing a lot, a lot of snaps. Um, yeah, he led the team in snaps, right, on defense, I think? Yeah, I believe so. And that play against Isaiah Likely, I thought he was in the right position at the right time, and he, Isaiah Likely is just – he should have never fallen to the Baltimore Ravens. That's something we're all going to be talking about for years and years and years. Yep, yep. The level of caliber player between Isaiah Likely and Chance Campbell is vast, and I think Chance Campbell made a spectacular play. And what did he do today? He had like two or three pass breakups today too. Well, yes, it was a pass breakup technically, but it hit him right in the hands, like right in his face. He yeah. should have caught it. So again, that's fine. He was in the right place. He made the right play. My issue with, with Chance Campbell was kind of what I expected, which is you just can't get lost in the shuffle and be a, a, a flow to the tackle kind of guy and get there like eight yards downfield. Right. Like if you're going to be a, a starting linebacker in the NFL, and maybe he's just a backup we're talking about here, because again, six round pick. I'm not trying to put too many expectations on him, but I just thought he got lost in the flow too often. Like there's, yeah. there's not enough moments where he set the edge or he blew up a hole or he took on a blocker or he, he got to the spot early or it just, it didn't again, first game. It, it, you're not trying to be too hard on the guy. I will grade us very hard and say that didn't work. That was a bad choice by me. Uh, that was a, that was a bad choice by me. So, yeah. Hey, now, I, how how do my choices look stacked up to yours? Because we both you, you you uh, W for because we both had PV, so that's a that's a that's yeah. even. I had Campbell and Jackson. You had McMath and Brown. You win easy, easy, easy. Uh, I tell you who did not win. This will be my last because uh, I already talked about Trenton Cannon. He stuck down. Jordan Wilkins looked terrible, <laughs> terrible. His pass blocking was atrocious, and if you can't pass block on this team as the running back four or five. Get your ass off the field. He's He does not need to be on this roster. I'm tired of this small contingent of fans that have Jordan Wilkins love. He sucks. Get him out of here. So my only question about him is he runs so much with the ones in two-minute drill and in seven-on-seven seven in practice. Don't get it. And like, I, I'm trying to understand what they're trying to – Like I would, I almost would rather see Haskins out there in that situation now. I agree especially with his ability to catch the ball, which, which by the way, he was out there on Monday. Haskins was out there in the two minute drill. Like, and again, they even throw him a pass. He made it. Willis threw him a pass. He made a great play. So I'm curious what they're doing with Wilkins. I'm just not, I can't exactly he figure sucks. it out. He was a horrible pass blocker and he was also a bad blocker down the field. There's times where if he would have turned around way earlier, he could have caught a pass from Malik yeah. Willis and bailed him out. He's, he's terrible. He doesn't know what he's doing out there under the limelights. I guess maybe it's uh you know, maybe he's just a practice guy. I don't, I don't get it. I don't maybe, understand yeah. this love. I've never understood it. I wish you'd be off the team. <laughs> so mean spirited, but I, I, your analysis is, is spot on. Um, so any other notes from practice? Yeah. Again, Kinsey, Theo Jackson, Chris Jackson, Danico Autry, not out there on Monday. Elijah Molden's been back for a few days. Dylan Cole's been back for a few days. So nice couple of depth pieces back there. I thought Caleb Farley, here's my stock up on Caleb Farley. I think you had to mentally. I thought Thursday night was a big hurdle for him. I think mentally, and that's why I think he was out there. I think Fulton was out there because he hasn't had a great camp and they want him to get some reps. But I think Farley was out there to get over the mental hurdle and get a lather up and get back into knowing what it feels like to be out here. He came back and had a great practice on Monday. I mean, knocked out a couple passes that they were intended with first team offense on the field, like just. I thought he had a really good practice on Monday, and I think there's a confidence growing in him. And I think the first hurdle was to get through that, like, all right, you're on the field, your knees okay, mentally you're not. I think that's a big hurdle for him. So I thought that's a stock up and sort of also a different way because I didn't think he was particularly great. 
I thought he was but better than what it looked like. And here's the thing is it seemed like it was his choice to line up off of the wide receiver in a couple of those plays that I had issues with. So that's easy, easily something correctable because he looks so much better when he's as press all up yep. on his guy. Yep. So, and I think this is a great segue into what we got to see at joint practice this week. You, you touched on it, but let's start here. These DBs versus these wide receivers is yep. my eyes are glued. Technically, my ear eyes are glued to the Twitter feed, reading what you all tweet this week. I mean, that, that yep. is the, my na- number one priority thing I want to watch is how does Caleb Farley and this defense, the defensive backs, handle wide receivers that are, let's say, levels above the competition that they have been yep. seeing in preseason and in Tennessee Titans practices. Yep. There there are two battles that I think matter the most this week, and I cannot wait for Wednesday morning to get out there. And that is exactly what you're talking about. That is the Titans DBs against the Buccaneers wide receivers, and it is the Titans offensive line against the Bucks defensive line. Those are the two areas. Those are the two matchups that I think are the most important to learn the most about. Yes, you want to see Willis. Yes, you want to see the Titans receivers. Yes, you want to see the defensive line, like all that other stuff. But it's the Titans offensive line and the Titans defensive backs. Those are the two that I'm watching the right. closest on Wednesday and Thursday. It's not even close. Now, how much can Kyle Trask test your secondary? And Blaine Gabbert. That's a big question. I, Blaine Gabbert, I know, can't test your secondary. I actually think Kyle Trask is very similar to Tom Brady in how like he's built. Like He's kind of a Did statue. Did you see that horrible pass? Uh, he's, he's been throwing some bad passes. Know, he's not very good. <laughs> so we'll see what it looks like. Um, we'll see what but it looks is like. Is Kyle Trask better than Matt Ryan? That is the question. Because Matt Ryan looked like shit. I know that's a little off subject. But no, I, no, it's I good. forgot to mention. Jason asked Jason and on uh, yeah. said, Did you see Matt Ryan? Perhaps wishful thinking here, but I, I saw shades of Hasselback era Titans. The Colts <laughs> offense, first team offense minus Jonathan Taylor, which is still a pretty good offense with Naheem Hines, could not move the ball against the second team Bills defense. And their first team defense couldn't really do much against their second team offense. I mean, Case Kinnaman company. Yeah, yeah, just it's, saying. It's, I know it's hard season. It's so hard to be, it's so hard to do like a forty-five minute show about how much you learn from the Titans preseason, then to be like, oh, it's preseason. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> no, I. But to get back to on that. track, I just wanted to throw some cold slander out there. That's but fine. To get Go back on it. track. I, I do think you're not going to learn. You, you're right. How much can you learn with no Tom Brady? That that is such a Tough. blow to I think the defensive outlook because you could probably tell a whole lot, but it's still Chris Godwin. So it's about how difficult did it, they make it on those quarterbacks? How, you know, how easy are you going to hear? Well, Kyle Trask got a sack because he held on to the ball too long, but Chris Godwin and Mike Evans were both open. Yeah. He just it's, didn't it's, see Willis, for whatever it's, reason. it's the Willis thing on, on the game on Thursday. Like, right. Burks and Des are both wide open and you pulled it down and scrambled. Why, why did that happen? That exactly. No, so nobody... that's what you got to kind of put, put into it. Right. Yeah. If you're, if you're someone on Twitter that follows this stuff, you need to, I think uh, a plea out to the media is that, Hey, if Kyle Trask is sacked, tell us how it looked down the field. Like okay. what happened down the field. Okay. And so we know Caleb Farley looked Caleb Farley looked great. That's why Kyle Trask held on to it, or Kyle Trask just mid, uh, missed a wide open, yeah. so, such as such. I like it. You're like an assignment editor. I like this. Yeah, I, I, like I, I appreciate it. I will do my best. I just want to see the. I want to see Aaron Brewer against a pass rush, yeah. a, bull, a straight up bull rush. 
Can you hold up and pass pro? And then Raiden's an MPF on the right side. I want to see all. Of, I want to see the offensive line hold up against a legitimately good defensive front, especially if but the Bucks are going to practice with their best players in those situations. Which, again, we we are hopeful that that's what happens. Speaking um, of Brewer, did you so. see like the ultimate recovery? on on this one play he was getting he got bulldozed right but he somehow spun around and and it went from loss to win instead of win to loss it was loss to win he was completely beat but he spun around and caught the guy back on the field he's, and dude, he him. he is extremely athletic he was he all is, up in his lap though <laughs> he's very fast but man if if you decide to bull rush him and you weigh 330 i don't know what he's gonna do yeah. i don't i don't know what he's gonna do about that uh but again that's for the that's for keith carter and Mike Vrabel and all those other guys to figure out. So. Yeah, so we need to see defensive backs versus the Tampa Bay wide receivers. We need to see the offensive line stack up against the defensive line and then tear down wide receivers slash Malik Willis. Oh yeah. That's, that's probably, that's exactly what I, that's exactly what I've got. Um, we, Malik Willis is sort of just, a, a, again, he sort of just applies to every conversation we're ever going to have until now, until he either starts or is not start. Like it's, it's just what did Malik Willis do is going to be a thing we're going to talk about. Like that's it. <laughs> like, yeah. Like till the till he's on the roster until he's no longer on the roster or he's the starting quarterback. Um, in which case, then we're going to really haunt his Twitter dreams uh, when he's the starting quarterback for the Titans. So uh, I, I don't know. I'm just excited about like the play. You know, the players say this too. It's it's cliche, but just so done hitting each other. They're just so done hitting each other. It's time to hit somebody else and let's see some tempers flare up, baby. That is yeah. the that is the fun part of this part of the camp and pretty soon we're going to have actual football games. I know so, I'm excited. Hey, let's get closer. Speaking of tempers flare. Oh yeah. Real quickly here. So if you didn't follow this coach Cal at Kentucky, um, basically told the athletic that, you know, Hey, I want, he wants, he wants basketball practice facilities. Kentucky just got theirs approved for football. So, so he's kind of like a little, he's a little tip tipped off right now, tip ticked off right now. And he's got a, he and Mitch Barnhart, the athletic director don't have the greatest relationship. Um, relatively speaking, but Mitch is one of the best ADs in the country and Cal's one of the best coaches in the country, but he goes after the coach and he says the football team now apparently he called Mark Stoops because Mark Stoops retweets him and he's like, we're in the SEC, bro, like 10 win seasons, bowl wins. I don't know what league you're talking about. We're a football conference. <laughs> and, and so Cal, and this is what I know kind of happened behind the scenes. Cal calls Stoops and Stoops won't answer the call. Then Mitch Barnhart, the AD, says, don't put out a statement, Cal, even though Cal should have probably put out a statement and it would have ended all of this. But Mitch Barnhart made it worse, the AD. And then Stoops has to have a press conference on Saturday. He didn't call this like Jimbo Fisher. He had to have a press conference after a, after a scrimmage. So, of course, he's asked about it. And he drops this like, hey, I'm defending my players. We've, we've done a lot of work. We've busted our ass for 10 years. Look what we've accomplished. 10 win season, 10 win season. Not, we weren't born on third base like some other people were. <laughs> right. Which is my favorite line because it's clearly a reference to how Coach Cal is, is fortunate to be at the best basketball program in America or whatever. And I like I think it's all going to blow over. But God, I love it when these guys who have these giant egos can't even get past the same logo on their chest. <laughs> It's wild in Kentucky of all schools, right? Like the most innocuous of the, you know, football world and all this stuff. They're just like fighting each other for, for no real reason. No and that's kind of why though, because he's fighting for respect and he's getting money and patience and investment from the administration and coach Cal's asking for it. 
But like honestly, Cal, like when's Kentucky never invested in basketball? Like when's right. that that when has that ever been an actual thing that you've you've been worried about? So yeah, I love it. Like go check out the clips. It's fantastic. Uh, it's amazing. I like and and Tim says on Twitter, is this the, is this the first time that the Kentucky basketball team has ever been jealous of the football team? And maybe it is. Feels like it, dude. They're rattling off 10, 10 win seasons in football. They're getting everything they ask for from the administration. And Coach Cal's like, I just want a practice facility. Have you ever seen the dorm rooms for the Kentucky basketball oh, I'm players? Sure they got probably flat screen TVs and theater rooms and all this shit. It's like its own like block in like Germantown. <laughs> it looks like one of these brand new high tech. 12 foot ceilings and granite countertops and like, you know, stainless steel appliances and flat screen TV. Like they live in a, like a luxury hotel. <laughs> don't, wouldn't you, if you're a basketball yeah. player in Kentucky, like, Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's absolutely hilarious. I have nothing else to add other than I'm here for the petty and I love watching coaches fight, but definitely at the same school. <laughs> oh, it's, it's incredible. Incredible drama. It's incredible so, news. It's so good. All right. Can't wait for, for, for joint practices on Thursday. We'll be back on Thursday. Please just share the show with somebody. I, we're no, we know that more of you are coming to us on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and on the podcast, and we love you guys for hanging out with us. Um, Zach loves you also. I love you just as much as Zach, and we, we appreciate you guys. So just tell somebody about it. Share the product. Turn on the notifications. All that great stuff. Support the sponsors. Kingston Group, Weiss Liquors, our great title sponsors. Where can they follow you, Zach, and all of your shows and all of your products? Because you got some stuff coming for folks, too. You can follow me on Twitter at FWordsPod. Uh, basically, just just follow me on Twitter. I mean, because then you're going to figure out everything. You're going to figure out who's the new co-host coming up. Who's the new sponsor that we're going to be debuting this week? Oh, you know, we got all kinds of stuff. So you got to follow me on Twitter. Turn on my notifications. I, I don't tweet that much. Sometimes it just <laughs> depends on how much alcohol I have in me. Until you go on a PFF rant. Yeah, but... <laughs> You're going to get some valuable information. You need to follow Braden on Twitter at Braden Gall. Turn on his notifications because you're going to get all kinds of college football insight that you can't get anywhere else from the local media. The best in local media in oh. the biz. Look at Go that. On. Go on. And then you have 440 Sports, which has all sports podcasts. Nashville Predators, Nashville Soccer. You have SEC. You have NFL. You have Tennessee Titans. You have it all right yeah. here in one spot, one network, 440 Sports. Yep, and all of course, Broadway Sports Media. You got to check out all their stuff as well. The YouTube page, 440 Sports. Uh, Kevin, you're right. Always here for the petty, and we'll see you guys on Thursday, of course. Cannot wait for joint practice reports on Thursday's show. We will do it for you coming up 1 o'clock every single Monday and Thursday. For Zach, I am Braden. Thank you guys for hanging out. For Kingston Group and Weiss Liquors, that's it. That's it. That's been the whole show. This is our. This is a football show, Zach. Thanks for watching, everybody.